I got some story about my life back home in Syria, and my it took me like three days. I tried in Google Translate. I was trying to translate and stuff, and my teacher read it after, and she was like really excited to hear more about that. So she told me, "You should tell your story." So after a few weeks, that's when Miss Miss Young came to teach me. English, and after that we start talking about regular questions. She asked me like about my family and my name and stuff, and she asked me about my secret wish. So I told her I want to be a soccer player, <laughs> and then from that she was like, "Okay, and what else?" And I told her I wanted to share my story. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sofronis. In this episode, I was honored to speak with Abu Bakar al-Rabia about how his journey to Canada as a Syrian refugee became a book written by his teacher, Winnie Young. Abu Bakar talks with us about learning English, adapting to a very different life in Canada, and why it was so important for him to tell his story. Despite the struggles he and his family endured, his message is one of positivity and praise for the human spirit. As you'll hear in our conversation, reading the book, Holmes, A Refugee Story, left a lasting impression on me. For that reason and many more, it was a privilege for me to speak with this remarkable young man. Let's get started. I understand when I spoke with your teacher, Winnie Young, I asked her what your secret wish was um, when you came to Canada. And she said you wanted to be uh, a soccer star. And there's a lot of talk about <laughs> soccer in the book. So I'm curious, do you still play soccer? Not uh, not as much as before. As like as much as I get older here, as much as I get busier, especially almost to be adult. But I'm still like going playing around with my friends. Good. I'm sure it's a little a little cold in in Edmonton uh, in the winter time to for soccer. <laughs> exactly. It's already started. Yeah, it seems like uh, hockey. Hockey would be the big sport up there in Canada. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, that was my first question. I wanted to make sure I asked you that. But so I have want to first say really that, that both my wife and I um, have read Holmes, A Refugee Story. And now, truth be told, we, we recommend it to everyone. We recommend it to everyone we know, um, including our own children. We have four children. Two of them um, are going to read the book because I think they're old enough to understand it. One's 14 and the other one's 12. And I just before I go on, I really want to thank you so much for, for sharing your story. It's, it's really helped remind my own family, and I'm sure many others, um, that people around the world have, have more similarities than they, are, than they do differences. So thank you. Well, thank you very much for reading it, and that's my honor. Yeah, it's just such, such a wonderful story and so genuine. I appreciate it. So um, 
I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with, with Winnie Young, um, the ESL teacher at the school that you started at when you came to Canada. I, I imagine it must require a lot of trust in a teacher to help you to tell such an intimate um, story. So I'm curious, how did you form a relationship with her that allowed you to tell the story of, of your life and of your journey to Canada? How did that relationship form over time so that you were able to do that? So in the beginning, it was like the beginning of grade nine. I had no ESL uh, teacher in the beginning of grade nine. But, and then after a few weeks, I got my new ESL teacher, which is Miss Young. So from, from there, I started to go to my regular English class with my friends. And uh, we had a project. Our first project was like, write about a memory in your life. So that's how like the thing starts, the story starts. So I wrote a, a story about my, a little story about my life back home in Syria. And my, it took me like three days. I turned in Google Translate. I was trying to translate and stuff. And my teacher read it after, and she was like really excited to hear more about that. So she told me, you should tell your story. So after a few weeks, that's when Miss, Miss Young came to teach me English. And after that, we start talking about regular questions. She asked me like about my family and my name and stuff. And she asked me about my secret wish. So I told her, I want to be a soccer player. And then from that, she was like, okay, and what else? And I told her, I wanted to share my story. So from, from that day, like, I started I start telling her a little bit. And then she told me, like, you got to let your family know if it's okay for me to hear your story. So, and then I felt like, I felt like Miss Sweeney kind of really care about about all that and about what's all happening back home in Syria and that she, she actually showed me and she and she appreciated my story a lot so that's when I felt like she's like, like the right person to tell my story so and then in a few weeks I let my family know and they were totally okay to, to talk to Miss Young and then that's how we started that's great so it sounds like it was a combination of you just having this desire, this wish to tell your story, other than to be a soccer player, which soccer star, which I think is a common wish for, exactly. <laughs> for young people. Your, exactly. Your, your other wish, your other wish was to tell your story. And so um, she recognized that. And along with your family who supported this idea, you all sort of came together um, to write this amazing book that started off pretty small, right? Exactly. And I, I, I never thought it would be like that big one day. We never thought about that. I thought it would be like a small project just to show my friends or the people in my school to tell them about my life back home. But she, was, she honored me to write all this story and to make it as a book and give it to me as a gift. Yeah, well, the gift is it wasn't just to you; it was to everybody who read the book. I mean, and I'm being honest; it was, it's just a book that I think um, everybody should read, and I think that 
certainly everybody who works um, with students like you, you, of which there are many, uh, should read as well. One thing that struck me about the book that I think is 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 really powerful um, is you talk a lot about the similarities between your experiences in Syria um, and the experiences that students and young people have in Canada and the United States and all over the world. You talk a lot about playing video games, playing soccer, yeah. playing with your cousins, just kind of messing around. Yeah. And, and one thing that Ms. Ms. Young mentioned that, you know, it's easy to forget that Syria is, is, a, is a modern country. And she said she wanted to describe how beautifully ordinary your life was before war broke out. I'm curious about how do you feel like people in Canada react when they learn about how similar your life actually was to their own here? I think it's what everything was like covered by the social media. I think like the news and the social media make a big change about how people think about my about Syria and how, how is the life there. So when the people like heard from my story uh, about the life in Syria, was actually really surprised and was like really enjoying reading my story. And they felt like the, the human connection between each other. They felt that there is like no difference between each other. We we enjoyed our life there, and there's people who enjoy their life there. Everyone enjoy what, what they have, even though if I was if I was in a war or not, enjoy it as a human beings. Right. So, I think that was like the 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 biggest change from hearing it from the social media and the bombs and the masters that what they hear every day, and from hearing from me as a as a person, one of them. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, the human connection and just just being able for you to share your story and to make connections there where you are and for people to understand, you know, the genuine situation. And I mean, I was I was really excited to speak with you because uh, not only because I read the book and I loved the book, but also um, to, to, to share that story because I think that's really, really important. And I tell that to my own children all the time that people who come from different places um, have more in common than they do uh, differences. And you really do a good job, I think, you and Miss Young, uh, illustrating that by talking a lot about just the everyday things that you do in your life, both um, uh, both in Syria uh, and here in Canada as well. Exactly. So my next question is, what do your fr- uh, family and friends think about the book? And I guess I'm 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 talking about your family and friends that are with you in Canada and the family and friends that, uh, that are, are still abroad in Syria or in other places. What are their opinions about the book? Have you talked to them about it? What do they think? Uh, so my family, like my cousins back in Turkey, they can't believe it went that big, to be honest. And I don't think so. They will, they will, they will believe it until they came here and see it and see the, the change that happened. And a lot of friends who, who was here, they think that, that I'm a professional English speaker. Well, but I'm not yet. <laughs> I'm still trying. And You've come a long way, though. You've come a long way. Your English is very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, yeah, and my family here are really happy about what I'm doing, and they, they, are, they support me for every speech I do and everywhere I go. Even though we started as a small project and then twelve all the way big until today. 
That's great. And so you, you have, you go around places and do speeches and speak with people. Is that right? Exactly. I have been Calgary and Anaskas all around Edmonton. And what has that been like for you? Uh, I think that was like the most beautiful part because I got, you know, a lot, a lot of people who will come to me to Canada and who give me a lot of opportunity to learn more and more. I get to know a lot of people because of that. And I'm really happy for doing this presentation. That's great. And so when you go and talk with people or when people read the book, what, what do you hope that they take away from it? What is your, your, your biggest wish that someone who reads the book or someone who hears you speak or someone who hears your story, what would you like them to take away and learn? I hope like they know that we are very similar and close to each other, not far away, like the distance. And I hope they, they would know Syria that's not just about war and stuff. We still live the, the same life. We still enjoy what we have over there. And there's still people who have schools and who play soccer over there. And unfortunately, when I first came, there's a lot of people thought that we don't have a school back home or we don't play soccer or we don't have anything else that we have in Canada. But I hope like they, they would think that we, we are really similar and we, are, we have the, the same human connection. Yeah. And it strikes me that you, your, your message is extremely positive. Like you haven't mentioned, um, in our conversation at least. And I know when I spoke with, with Winnie Young, it was the same thing. It seems that your message is one of positivity and love and pushing forward and not a message about necessarily the, the trauma and difficulties of what you've been through. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what, what I have been, what I have been through is not mother to be honest. What is mother to help the people who, over there and to tell the people over here to live better. That's amazing. I have, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, for you um, sending that message um, given, you know, your journey and everything that, that, that you've been, been through. So I want to shift a little bit about uh, kind of what your transition was like when you came to Canada. So my first question about that is, what have you been aside from aside from what we just talked about, which is that you know people sort of have a, a a different idea of what life in Syria is actually like. You were surprised by that, but what else has surprised you um, about Canada, about life here in North America as opposed to life in Syria? What's been the biggest thing that surprised you? Uh, number one, the cold. <laughs> but, you were surprised by the cold. It is so cold. That's the first thing. I came in December 2014, which was the like big surprise for me. And then, like the second surprise, I would say that the big difference. I like it feels like here a different world. No one really know much about my back home, Syria or Iraq or anywhere in Middle East. So it feels like a very different world from here to here, from there to here when you when you come to Canada. So it was like my biggest surprise. There is less people who know about the war over there, or less people who know that there's people who suffering back home in Syria. 
Yeah. Well, it sounds like it sounds like you're you're doing a good job addressing that second surprise by educating people through the book and through your talks. I'm not sure that there's anything you can do about the cold. I don't think that's going to change. That's one of our things. Yeah, I, I'm here in Boston, in, in in Massachusetts, in the Northeast, and it's it's cold. But I don't think it's Canada. I don't think it's Edmonton cold. I think that's a different kind of cold. <laughs> exactly. So you know, you 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 came to Canada. You're surprised by some things, and you, you know, you're surprised by the differences in. Um, just it's a different world. It, it, it's cold and people don't understand what's happening in Syria. They have a different notion of what's happening than, than what actually is. And then, you know, you're, you're young, you're a student, so you go to school. Um, when you got to school, you, you obviously had to, to take English classes. You didn't know much English at all. What was your first experience like when you walked into school that first day? Can you, can you remember kind of how you felt and um, what were the biggest sort of what you were most nervous about and what you were most excited about on that first day? Uh, to be honest, I never thought I would continue learning or I would continue staying at the school because I have non-English, nothing to say, to be honest. Uh, I had nothing to say. So most of it was all Google Translator or somehow trying to explain to my volunteer ESL teacher, Miss Maggie. She, she helped me in my first six months in grade eight. And it was basically from home to school and from school to home, I couldn't, I couldn't how, know how to get to anywhere or, or like how to, even get to know anything. So it was uh, my first year or like the first six months was like the hardest part of living here in Canada. But after that, when I learned more and more English, it got easier step by step. So it sounds like when you first arrived, I mean, you, you said, I think you said that you, you, you didn't even think that you would be able to learn. You were in, you, you didn't have any English and, and you were using Google Translate Exactly. Yeah, I felt like it's impossible to learn, to learn a new language and you have like a little idea about it. I could only know yes and no and think. That's the only few words I, I, I noticed when I, when I first came here. But the only, the only part that I start to felt like I can make a connection when I started playing with friends or with my teachers soccer. So these fun activities make me have a connection between between me and the other people who, who speak a different language than me. Sure. It's amazing how sports and activities bring people together in that way. Exactly. Which is a, a very wonderful part. And it can make a big change in the person who came in you to this country. So given given that experience that I'm sure a lot of newcomer students, uh, immigrant students, refugee students experience that, that just fear of my learning is going to stop here because there is a language barrier that I feel I cannot overcome. I think that's totally natural. Yes. Given that that exists in you and I'm sure many other students, what advice would you give to teachers who work with immigrant or refugee or newcomer students like you? What, what, what would you say to them 
to help them work with students who have who are going through kind of what you went through at that time? I would say it doesn't matter where they are from or or, or what they went through or stuff. They would come through it, but all they need is just a little bit of time to get to know the language and don't let news or social media make that fear connection between you or make a bridge between each other. I would say communicate as a humans and and it is like very hard in the beginning for I would say both sides for the one who speak English and the one who don't because they both they both doesn't understand each other but after when they get to know each other more they will know what the newcomer or the the person who doesn't speak English what he needs or she needs sure that's great so it sounds like the teacher obviously needs to have patience they need to understand that there's a a human connection that it that goes far beyond what people are seeing on social media or in the news doesn't matter where the person is from and i don't know if you said this but i think i i feel like you 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 maybe feel it and correct me if i'm wrong but that everybody uh has potential everybody has the ability um to learn and to do great things and i think that you're a great example of that exactly yeah that's that's what i meant And so that that's the advice that you'd give to a teacher. And I think that's wonderful advice. And we have a lot of teachers who listen to this um, podcast. So I'm sure they'll appreciate that. What advice would you give to a student? So it's 2014, you arrive in Canada, you don't have any English, you described that fear that you had. What would you tell a student who walked in today with the same experience that you had and was feeling that fear? So when I when I went to high school, I met a lot of students who have been in Canada in six months or eight months, which is which is they just start their life there, and I, I, I they felt the same way I feel. They 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 told me, oh, it's impossible to keep living here. I don't know the language. I don't know how to go to anywhere, or I don't know the the city or the country yet." And I would always tell them it will just take time. It will just take time. You just have to keep being patient and keep learning what you keep doing what you are doing. So there is a lot actually people who is in high school and even in Central Highland stuff, they are still having the same thing. So I would say it's all about time. It would take time only. But after that, what things will get easier step by step. Yeah, and that that's that's a common um, that's a common solution to many problems that people have, which is time. Um, and I think that when you're first going through something difficult, it seems like time goes by really slowly. But I think then, before you know it, um, you're in a position where, you know, you you have some English skills, and then and then it must build quickly after that so that you can do the things um, that you need to do and be part of a new community and a new society. Exactly, and especially a language, it's, it's like a very important thing and, it, and it, 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 would, it would really take some time. So um, 
I asked you for some advice for a teacher. I asked you for some advice for a student. And now I'm going to, I think this, this might be the most, the most difficult question, but I'm really, really interested in your opinion here. We have people who listen to this podcast. Many of them are, are ESL teachers. Many of them are teachers of content. And we also have people who listen to this who are like principals and school leaders. So here's my question. If you were to start a school in Canada or in the United States or in any place where there are a lot of refugee or immigrant or newcomer students coming in, what is one thing that you would change? Like, what would you do differently um, in a school, given your experience? That's a hard question. Uh, I would say I would give to the new ASL students more fun activities to have, to have them to get connection with the other students. So you mentioned soccer was a big one for you. Exactly. And there's other students who enjoyed drawing or stuff or other stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, so I think next week I'm actually speaking with a music teacher um, in the United States awesome. who has, has classes with a lot of different students, very diverse groups, people from many different countries, and she uses music to bring people together. Um, you know, who don't speak the same language and who are coming to the country sort of brand new. And, um, and for her, because she's a musician by trade, yeah. that is the bridge. Whereas for you, soccer was the bridge. It's different for everyone, right? Exactly. Well, that's great. The, so, so I want to talk a little bit about the future, Abubakar. You, you have uh, done amazing things uh, since, you've, since you've arrived here. You have this book, Homes, a Refugee Story, that, that your teacher wrote basically with your notes and your story, what's next? What, what do you, what do you, what are your plans for the future? Yeah, I think that's, that's the hardest part right now I'm trying to figure out, but uh, to be honest, not yet. I'm, I'm still choosing between a lot of stuff, but hopefully like by the end of high school, I, I would know. Yeah. Well, you've, I mean, you've already done an incredible amount, um, in, uh, in, in the time that you've been here. So I look forward to finding out what's, what's next for you and, and keeping in touch. But before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. And this is a question that I ask all of uh, the guests on the podcast, including Miss Young, who answered this question. I'm curious if, if there course. is a book, yeah. or a, a book or a film or any other resource that has impacted you in a profound way, besides Holmes, a refugee story, which you obviously helped write, is there something that you'd recommend to people that they should read or watch or see? Uh, there is a book that I read last uh, last year with in my English then class. It's called Part Time Indian, which is about the it's about the First Nations and about the, uh, a First Nation guy who was like half of as a, as a Canadian culture and half as a First Nation, First Nation culture. I think that book, that, that's an amazing book, and I would read it again and again to learn, to learn from it. And it touched me really deeply. Great. So we'll include that um, along with some other resources, including how to find um, uh, Homes, a Refugee Story, in all of the show notes. Um, but I want to thank you so much for joining us, Abubakar. When I tell you f from the heart, truthfully, uh, that this book had a profound impact on me um, and my wife, who actually stole it and read it before I could read it. Um, <laughs> that's the truth. So, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for your positive messages. 
Um, and, and thank you for bringing people together because I think that's what you're doing and I think that's what we need. I appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen, very much. That's my honor. Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.